Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're God. We thank you that, that you have a plan for each life here, each person here, each family here. And you have a plan for Crossroads. You have a plan for Ridgecrest. And you have a perfect plan for the world that'll, that'll, that'll end with you ruling and reigning here. So thanks that, that you're our God. And Lord, as we go forward, thanks that you'll speak to each heart. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And today the topic is let's talk about science. So uh, we're going to start with a science experiment that's carried out in a van uh, with his kids. Isn't science neat? It is just so unbelievably cool. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun today. I, I'm Nick. Um, my wife and I, we run the, the middle school, high school youth program upstairs, Tuesday nights deal. And, um, and so, so we get to play around with stuff like this all the time. Uh, it's, it's just fun. So, the, so when, I, when I saw this video, it was just, it's, just, it's just cool. Because how many of you guys thought that balloon was going to go forward? Some of you guys are real smart, I know. I knew there was going to be one. Um, thanks, Mr. John. So John told me before we started that there's a Ph.D. in the front row, so be very careful. And, oh, he's talking about you. Oh, you look a lot meaner than John does. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so, so I told you my name's Nick, and, uh, and this stuff is just so really cool. And, and I have three kids, so I get, to, I get to play with a lot of different science experiments. I have three kids under three. I, I don't know if I said that part. So, but one thing that I've already noticed about all of them, even the three-month-old, is they're curious. So if I make a loud noise or say something, just make this real arrogant noise, or, or not arrogant, what's the word Kelsey uses? Um, not frustrated. She's back there, so I can't hear her. But, huh? I didn't hear it. Bossy? No, definitely not that. She can hear me. Just say it. No. Oh, well. <laughs> Obnoxious. Thank you. Did y'all hear that? That's how she says it. So if I make an obnoxious noise, the three-month-old um, looks like, well, what's that? Where's dad? That's what she does. Um, and it's just, it's really neat. And curiosity isn't a bad thing. Um, and, and it's all in and all kids, I remember when I was little, my mom, she, April 1st, it was April 1st something, I was like five years old or something, and she says, come quick, there's a plane landing in the street. I'm like, what? Oh, that's so cool. And I was just super curious. So I, for one, I wanted to see a plane land in the street. And for two, I was curious if, uh, if that was actually happening. Like, really, mom? And she said, April Fool's, it didn't really happen. So I learned my mom could lie to me. So kids, <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's kidding. But yeah, it's, it's no surprise to you guys that I thought planes were really cool. All kids are really fascinated with planes. And then one day I found out like how they flew. One day I learned that they, they, fly, um, they fly by the airfoil that's on them, the wings. It changes the pressure gradient on them. It creates lift. And, and it's all this really cool stuff that I got to learn in, in school when I, got, um, when I got to go to school and learn about this stuff. And so then it became an obsession. And, and it just went crazy from there. I got into it. And so I ended up getting a couple degrees. Um, I just say it to make it sound like there's no big deal. Um, and, then, and now I get to do that at work all the time. So I'm a, I am a research scientist 
uh, research engineer, really. And so what I do is I'm applied engineer. So I, I look at the world, see what's going on, and if we want to do something, we figure out how to do it. So we have to manipulate the world, play with the world. We have to experiment with it. So we do a lot of investigating. Um, and sometimes we see things that we didn't expect to find. So, for example, we were, I, I ran a test not too long ago, and we did these two very similar um, rocket motors, and we expected them to do the exact same thing. They didn't. And I was like, well, what's going on? So we had to dive in and see what was going on there. And so in doing that, we, we use the, the things, uh, the, we use science. We use thermodynamics. We use chemistry, combustion, reaction, uh, heat transfer, all these cool things that explain the world. And why it's so cool is all these really seemingly complex things can be totally described. We can explain them with mathematics and a fundamental knowledge of, of the physics, of the, of the world around us. And so it, it's like we live in chaos, well, so we think, but it can all be explained. It's also orderly, which is just so cool. So how did we figure all this stuff out? How did I figure out to, to how did I know where to start looking? And how do we know, the, how do we figure out how planes fly? And it's science, which is the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experimentation. So the scientific method, this is, this is a method a lot of researchers use, a lot of things we use. So we'll make a problem statement. So real quick, I talked to Thomas earlier, who just recently did a science project at school. He wanted to know how many licks it takes to get to the center of a lollipop. So his problem statement was, his problem statement was, how many licks does it take? How long is it going to take me to get here? How many times do I have to do this? And he did it three times, I think he said, which is really impressive. And so he did his research. He looked into how do, like, what is a lick? How do I lick? Okay, it's a little bit basic. But he did his research, found his, made his hypothesis. It's going to take me how long to do it? I don't know. And then he tested it. He did an experiment, analyzed the results. He did it three times. And he said it was like, I can't remember what he said exactly, 400, 410, and the other one was like 500 or something. I don't remember. So he was was getting dry at the last one and he drew a conclusion so it's really cool so we do that we, we investigate this world around us um, and the weird thing so this is kind of fun we we often take this and separate this we separate the study and structure and behavior of the physical and natural world from God and Christianity we say the two don't go together at all and so that's what we get to talk about today so are science and Christianity compatible? If someone believes in God and that Jesus Christ died and came back to life to pay for my sins, do I have to reject science and all scientific findings? Can I be a scientist and still believe in God? Or does science that we've done disprove God or disprove the need for God? Sometimes this makes real Christians really nervous. Just these thoughts, this thought process. But if God is real and he did create this world, then the scientific method should apply here. You see, if God is and if he did, then science is the systematic study of the structure and, thank you, and behavior of, the, of God's creation through observation and experimentation. So this is really cool and exciting right here. And so, and that's just what the Bible says in these next verses where Miss Ty was, was seeing where I wanted to go. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. Without a sound or a word, 
a voice, their voice is never heard, yet the message has gone throughout their, the earth and their words to all the world. They're saying the, the world around us points to him. It, it proves him, which is really cool. You know, and when these words came out, they didn't understand thermodynamics, or else they could have said thermodynamics, which proves God. You know. so the, so, and, there's, and something about Paul, he, he saw it too. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. Because ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see it. So if the Bible is true, then science will only give us more evidence for God's existence. So this is really neat. So let's, let's talk a little bit about truth. So this is my one question I ask all the time. Is, is, I don't ask this specific one, but is this shirt on this part blue? If, I was, if it was a Tuesday night and it was a youth group, I'd get, well, to some people it's probably purple or maybe magenta. I don't know. They, they say weird things. Um, I'm kidding. I think I'm the one that says the weird stuff. Um, <laughs> and so, and so let's, let's look at what, what I'm really asking you when I'm asking about what color is this. So, so color, often Kelsey and I agree, disagree on colors all the time. I think my car's green. She thinks it's teal, I think is what she says. Um, and so we don't, I don't know what any of that means. But so what colors are, what we see, our, our eyeballs pick up um, radiation, something in the electromagnetic spectrum, not the radiation you're probably thinking of, but maybe, um, so, which is really cool. So they pick up these different wavelengths within the entire electromagnetic spectrum. It's huge. You can see over here, we go from, from a wavelength uh, a huge wavelength. It's 1 times 10 to the 4. So that's uh, 10,000, I think. So 10,000 meters to all the way to 10 to the negative 14. They're really, really tiny. And our eyeballs see stuff between 400 and 700 nanometers. So that's pretty cool. So that's what we're really seeing. So when we talk about a color, there is absolute truth in a color. We say we, If we say that's yellow to me, that's orange, well, the color we're seeing is actually for, what would that be, like 575 nanometers. So, it's, so we can narrow, narrow it down to an actual concrete truth. And so can we treat Christianity like this? Is Christianity like something that we can sit here and say, no, this, this is true and it can be proven and we can see it and we can observe it. Um, we can experiment with it. The Bible's huge on truth. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to go on blind faith. We've we got the God who, who wants us. We've got the only God. There's one God. And he, but he wants us to look for him. He wants us to find him. And so he, gives, he, he says, go, look, seek, find the truth. So I, I threw up like five, six verses on truth. There were, there were so many that I just had to pick some. And I, I have them here to show you. Um, so a little bit when, when Paul's saying they trade the truth for a lie, and then the, the middle two here, Jesus really said this, this is really cool. If you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then Jesus even said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, so big on truth and claiming to be the truth. So science and Christianity should go together pretty well. So one of the, the headaches here comes to be people think of Christianity as more of a philosophical concept. So, but if, if the Bible clearly claims that this is not a philosophical concept, this is a truth. This is the truth. This is a fact, concrete, and we can, we can bet our lives on it, which is just really cool. So it can be proven or disproven. 
but some of you are a little disappointed. I'm not here to prove it or disprove it to you today. You've heard that phrase, if you teach a man to fish, or what is it? You give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. You teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime or something like that. But this goes even beyond that, because Jesus is very clear in, in what it takes. I can prove it to you, and you can say, oh yeah, Christianity must be true. And you can know everything about the Bible, but that doesn't get you anywhere. What, what gets you anywhere? My words can't save you, and your knowledge can't save you. What, what saves you is you accepting what that truth is, and then you giving your life to Christ. You give your life to someone. So to be willing to do that, you have to go look and see and get to know Jesus and say, yeah, I'll give you my life. You can't say, oh, I know all this stuff about you. Yeah, I'll give you my life. No, you have to go seek it and find it out. So I'm hoping just to set a foundation to get us started and, and to maybe give you some techniques for looking for truth. Because a lot of times we don't look for truth because we don't expect to find it. But it's there. So, so that's, my, that's my hope to do today. So is to light a fire under our butts and to show us there is a path, there is a way, and we can expect a hard truth, which is really cool. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to, I got some cool kind of data points for you. Um, because we are, our, our schools don't teach Christianity. They teach everything, they, they teach the opposite. Um, they mandate teaching certain things and they also mandate not teaching certain things. So I just wanted to kind of level the playing field a little bit if I could. And one of the first things I want to hit is the likelihood of evolution. This is, this is a big one because this is, this is a very um, prominent atheistic view. And so this is all really, really smart people like our PhDs we have here. Um, so this guy from Cambridge said, the likelihood of life occurring, so these are mathematicians and physicists. It's, I, I wouldn't trust them. Um, but they're really smart. And so the likelihood of life occurring by chance is fantastically improbable. The spontaneous formation of life violates the second thermodynamic law, which states all closed systems tend toward a state of maximum disorder. I can prove this one to you. If I leave Jack and Emma, um, she's almost three and he's like one and a half. If I leave Jack and Emma in the living room, in a clean living room, and I walk out and come back in, everything is everywhere. So I, I've experimented this one. Um, but the thing to think about here, I, I joke and I take the point away from it, is we're live, we live in an orderly world. And we only watch things get more and more disorderly. You know, we can put something together and make it look nice and neat. Over and nice and neat. Over time, it deteriorates. The the paint on my house is peeling. Well, you know, whatever. It, if how can we get? We don't get order from disorder. So there's something that has to put it orderly, and then we watch it slowly fall worse and worse, further and further apart. It's kind of a neat thing to think about. And another one: the odds that just a single protein molecule can develop by chance are one over one with 113 zeros on it. If you have anything that's greater than 50 zeros, they, they describe it as the chances are zero. So just something to think about. Just a single protein molecule. The chances of the natural development of the 25,000 enzymes in the human body are 1 over 10 with over 2 million zeros on it. That's cool. And this one is a very scientific fact, my favorite. The likelihood of human evolution is mathematically plausible, is as mathematically plausible as a tornado blowing through a junkyard and leaving behind a perfectly assembled Boeing 747. <laughs> That's from the former astrophysicist and head of mathematics at Wales. So, sounds good to me. Spent a lot of time on that one, so we're gonna move. So the next one, this is cool. Uh, so the next thing we're gonna look at are some of the things that the Bible kind of told us about a long time ago. Um, he 
you know, we get a lot of cool things in Genesis and Leviticus, the first few books of the Bible, where God's just kind of saying, hey, do it this way. Um, when he tells them to circumcise boys, he says do it on the eighth day. There's a reason. Um, there's a reason he says on the eighth day. And a lot of us kind of think, oh, whatever, I don't know. But it took medical people a long time to figure this out. When you have a baby now, they give it a vitamin K shot right away, which is a huge bummer. You watch this baby just come out of this, you watch this baby come out and, and then they give it a shot. You're like, it just came out. Give her a break or him a break. Um, but the, what they're doing is they're giving it vitamin K because vitamin K is, has a big deal with prothrobin. Um, and what prothrobin does is that allows your blood to clot. That's one of the major blood clotting factors in your blood. And so this is just too cool. They track from birth the, the levels of vitamin K and prothrobin in days from birth. So this right here is 100%. And this is greater than 100%. So your normal body levels from day one, two, three, all the way day eight is right there. So at day eight, your blood will clot the best, maybe of your whole life. I don't know. I'm just, just seeing it because it comes back and levels back out at 100%. But on the eighth day, your prothrobin is at its highest. He told us about that. And he also said you need your blood. They used to, like, when people were sick, they, they bled them. They bled some people to death doing this, but they thought the blood was in the, uh, the diseases in the blood. Um, the earth is free-floating in space. This is cool. In Job, it's something you can very easily skip over. He says, um, God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. So it might not seem like a big deal to us now, but he said this long before we understood anything. It was just so cool. And washing hands under running water. Kind of calls that out right, in the, right off the bat. So on to my next cool point is the flagellum slide. Um, there is massive amounts of complexity in the world around us, in the created or just in the world around us. So look at, just looking at this right here, some of you guys might think, oh, that looks like a little electric DC motor. It does kind of. You've got your rotors and your stators and you've got some of your ceiling rings and then you've got this big shaft going out the back of it. And it, it, looks, it doesn't look like, certainly doesn't look like an accident. And so now if we go on to the next slide, we see what this thing is. This thing is part of a, of a cell. This is a prokaryotic cell. I probably said that wrong. Um, so from, from here to there is like 15 micrometers. It's really small. That's like 10 to the negative 6. And, but what we were just looking at is right here. Is this tiny little thing. It's, it's a motor that spins and allows the cell to move towards its food sources, which is really cool. Um, how did that fall into place? Any of y'all tried to fit, do something really small, and it, it's really hard. Um, and another thing, if we'll go, if we can back up one more time, if we can, there you go. Yeah. So all there is no other function for any of these pieces. And so by evolution, they say this came and had a purpose, and then later this came and had a purpose. So, but none of these have any other purpose anywhere else in the cell or, or anywhere else that they see. How did all of the right things fall into place at just the right time? It's just cool. So if, if y'all got into those, which I spent a lot of time on them, because they are neat, um, and you want to know more, there are, there are several, there's a ton of sources, and I'm just going to list three or four real quick. And ch our library has some of these, uh, if not all of them, but there, there are so many books by people who went on honest, genuine scientific searches for, okay, well, show me, tell me. Uh, but some of these are Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel, um, Evolution's Achilles Heels. Um, that one was written by 15 PhD scientists. 
So good luck understanding that one. Um, Signature in the Cell by Stephen C. Meyer and Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. If any of you guys like want those, just come to me later and, and I'll make sure I get you the right, the right thing to send you off looking for it. So this one, this is the point where, because I, I usually get a tough crowd. You guys are very well behaved. Thank you, um, I think. Um, this is where somebody would stand up and say, what about all those smart people who say, say this, who say they've disproven the need for God, they've, or this or that, or evolution's 100% true, it has to be true because of this reason or this reason. And, and this is where it's really important to discern opinion from science. Because just because a scientist says it doesn't make it science. Scientists don't always say scientific things. For example, when Christopher Columbus wanted to sail, somebody probably walked up to him and said, you can't sail over there. It's flat. You're going to fall off. Or the Wright brothers. I mean, all the, they, they wanted to fly. You can't fly. We've tried it. We've tried this and this and this. It doesn't work. You just you can't do it. And obviously, Christopher Columbus didn't listen. The Wright brothers didn't listen. Um, and so it's important to, to know what our things are based on. If they're based on our experience and our knowledge, or they're based on, on actual, actual facts and not opinions. So, so that's, that's my response to that. Some of you might have been thinking it. I was just thinking what somebody would ask me if it was on a Tuesday. So we have to address miracles, right? The supernatural. If we say, if we say that science can prove God and it's all one, then, um, then what about... What about miracles? That's, we, we, I mean, we proved that science says miracles can't happen, so how can we claim miracles can happen? Um, Jesus was walking on water. He ascended into heaven. He healed these people miraculously. And he fed thousands of people with a couple of fish and some bread. That was really cool. A miracle is a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable or explainable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine legacy. The supernatural attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding of the laws of nature. So how can a scientific person believe in miracles that clearly break the rules of the natural world? The matter of miracles is a scientific investigation. If God exists and he did create the world, wouldn't you expect to see some miracles wouldn't you expect to see some stuff that was supernatural to happen in our lives that we can't explain necessarily? It, it seems like the world screams that there is a creator. So if you, the scientists say they've tracked um, the beginning of the universe. They said they can, with their telescopes looking just right, that they've, they've found how to pinpoint the point of the Big Bang or the beginning of the universe. Okay, what about before that? Oh, well, there was nothing. Okay, and then they'll talk about a quantum vacuum. Okay, so they're not really talking about nothing. What about before the quantum vacuum? Well, there was nothing. Where'd nothing come from? We don't know. Science doesn't explain it. So it was a miracle. Well, we don't know. We, we don't know enough to say that. So either way, both come back to the supernatural had to start it. So either no one created something out of nothing, or someone or something created something out of nothing. First law of thermodynamics, you can't create or destroy energy. And thanks to, to, what was that really smart guy's name? Einstein. E equals mc squared. So thanks to that, we can also also carry it over and say mass can't be created or destroyed. 
So if there is a creator, do you not think we would see miracles? Do you not think that the creator could operate outside of the world he created? Do you think he would be greater than what he created? Would you expect his creation to be able to totally and perfectly understand the creator? That's what the Bible says. It warned, It tells us that's going to, I mean, he, God kind of says, my thoughts aren't anything like your thoughts, and my ways are so far beyond anything you could imagine. And then it, you just hear it in so many ways, and Paul is like, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge? How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know his thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice, and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? So, the Bible kind of says, yeah, I mean, that's going to happen. You, you, I mean, what do you think would happen there? And then we have the evidence from miracles who, from the guys who died, the guys who died for this message. They saw all these really cool miracles in, um, yeah, Second Peter. For we aren't making up clever stories. These are the guys who lived with Jesus, lived and walked with Jesus, and then gave their lives up for him, um, gave their lives up because it was true, because people said, don't tell people about this, and they, they killed him for it. So here is them witnessing about the miracles they've seen. We're not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming, coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our eyes. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And then we see miracles here every day. And we've seen miracles in our lives. I mean, you, you can't deny uh, that he works in the supernatural like that. It's just so unbelievable. And, and so here's a, here's a kind of a, so now we're going from the supernatural into, okay, why such a great God who makes it so orderly and makes it so that we can control things and move things and do things? And he kind of tells you, he says, we created them in our image. And then he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill, and govern it. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. He doesn't want us just to sit and be still. He wants us to do really cool things in this world with the cool tools he's given us, which is just so neat. You want to make something go really, really fast, you can put the right chemicals together and make it just go super fast. Or you want to watch a, launch a water balloon 100 yards, he gave us the elasticity of these cool water balloon launchers that we can shoot. It's just so neat. Um... Or if we want to fly. So he wants us to do these things, and he's given us the ability to do them, which just blows me away. The weird thing is, we often take those abilities he's given us, and we say, this is reasons for no God. This is why God doesn't exist. I don't need God, because I can build a plane and fly it at Mach 1.0 or 1.7. I don't know. And so we think that's... I'm pretty cool. So let's consider Jesus for a minute. We're really cool, so we got that. We're really cool, so let's consider Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up those divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a on a cross. So here we have it. God, God the Son, came in human form, so in the same form we are, but he was God, and he humbled himself in that. He made himself obedient to it, which is, which is cool. So now back to us. 
So we're back to Paul again. We have a lot of him in here today. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. So just as Jesus did for, so that you could, I want you to give your bodies, your lives to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. How cool is that? God gave us this amazing gift in this amazing world, gave us the ability to do all of these things. So what if we do our best in all of those things and then give them to God and continue to do our best in them? How cool is that? But what we're doing is we're letting him direct us. We're taking delight in the Lord and he will give us our heart's desires. So in what God says is he's directing our lives and, and, the, and showing us the way to do it. We take delight in that and we follow that path. That's how we give it to him. And we do our best in that. Really, really cool. And don't try to take it away from him. So why is it that we so often try to take credit from God? Or so badly want to discredit God? Why do we reject God? We, we've seen it. Some of, us are, some of us do it way too often. So I asked, I asked, I think it was a couple high schoolers and like five middle schoolers this question all at once. We were sitting in a group and we were writing up on the whiteboard. It was fun. This is the answers they came up with. I, I, did, I, I wrote their words, I wrote their thoughts on the board and I took a picture of it and that's what we have here. They said, rather not think about God, more focused on myself, rather not give up our wants and desires, don't want to be held accountable, don't want to have to submit to an authority, don't want to be controlled. Their answers. So when you do a scientific investigation, it is critical that you're subjective. Sorry, that you are totally, you, you wipe out any preconceived notions and you go into it you can lose your objectivity or in other words you can be swayed and tended towards a certain answer one way or the other based on your personal preferences so here is one way we lose our our objectivity our subjectivity in a um in a scientific investigation it's ourselves we don't we have things we'd rather think about we have things we need to do we don't want to give up the things we really want to do. And uh, I don't want to be held accountable for that. That's a big deal. Don't like to submit. Don't want to be controlled. Oh, somebody tell me what to do. So, so those things, those desires of ours kind of get in the way of considering the evidence, looking for the evidence with an open heart. So you have to ask yourself, probably right now, why am I discounting the evidence if you are? Is it founded on something I've heard or on a teaching I didn't like? The stakes are too high not to take an honest look. And the potential for this is, the, the potential is there for it to be true. So you've got to look into it. And not let yourself and your heart, what you want, just make you discount it without looking into it. I don't always like the results, the, the test results that I see at work. Sometimes I'll stand up for something because I, I work in what's called the propulsion research lab. Sometimes it's my job to develop something to do something. I'm like, this is the way to do it. And so I go test it and I don't like finding out that that isn't a good idea. But I have to or else we go send it forward. And so th- that, that same thing is what he's talking to though. there. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. So they're saying, so here you are. This is what I want. And I'm not looking for for truth. 
They're like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted along a riverbank, whose roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. Here's a nice end to it. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So if we take the first and the end there, he starts it with, don't put your trust in yourself and all the things you want. Because the human heart, you can't trust it. And we all know that we have followed our own selfish desires, and it's really gotten us in trouble. It's taken us places we didn't want to go. It's made us do things we've regretted. There's some evidence for you. And so that's why Jesus says this in Mark 8. He's called to his disciples, if you want to be my follower, you've got to give it up. You've got to give up your own way. Take up your cross. What he means is you you take your desires and all the things you want that are so important, your selfish parts, and and you put it on the cross, just like Jesus went to the cross. You say, God, I'm not going to hang on to that. Take it from me. So, But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. That's why he says, get your heart out of the way. Because sometimes we hang on to our heart, hang on to the things we want, our desires. We get into that place where we're not worshiping God anymore as much as we're worshiping ourselves. And and we got to get called out in that in Romans here. It's a long one. I won't read the whole thing to you. But he says, yeah, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So they, they knew about God. They had some knowledge. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. And he goes on to say, so they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator themselves. So here they, they have these things, these, these abilities God's given them. They worship those things. I don't need God, I have these things. They refuse to understand. They break their promises and are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyways. Yes, worse yet, they encourage others to do them. So don't let the the desires of the created get in the way of the Creator. Because Jesus, He wants all of us. We don't really get to pick and choose what we give Him. Some of us want to hang on to this part or hang on to that part. Yeah, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to serve in church. I'm going to give the church money. I'm going to do this and that. But, but what we haven't done is we haven't given him our lives. That's, that's what he wants. We don't necessarily have to worry about what it looks like. We don't have to worry about, do I do the right thing for you today or tomorrow? We give him our lives. And our motivation is to glorify him and to, and to take this ugly, sinful part and give it to him totally. And it does, it's not going to be easy. Absolutely isn't going to be easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Um, look here in Luke 22. Right before he was arrested to go be taken and crucified, he's praying to God. He says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. He knows he's about to be crucified. And he's like, God, if you're willing, take it from me. But I want your will to be done, not mine. I'm really nervous about this. I'm, whew, I'm sweating it. But I, I know you, and I know you've got me. So your will be done. And he sent an angel and strengthened him. 
He prayed, Jesus prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. We often think, oh, I want Christianity, the nice, easy stuff. If it was like this for, for Jesus, God, how can we expect it to just go super easy for us and then when, it, when we find out it's hard to give up? No, we should do what he does. Take his example. Run to God saying, whoa, are you sure? If it is your will, though, you got it. That's us getting ourselves out of the way. And, that, and that's how we can go and get to a place where we can apply the scientific method to Christianity. Because we're so quick to, to say, no, 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 no. Because we lose our subjectivity to, to what? To a lot of times ourselves. So the stakes here are really high. We know the end will come eventually for every single one of us. If Christianity is true... A real scientific investigation will reveal them. Conducting a good scientific investigation takes a lot of humility and a willingness to consider that we might be wrong. And what we think might be impossible isn't. So we'll jump over to Psalms 25.9. Thanks, Ms. Ty. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. If we humbly say, hey, God, show me. Show me what's up. And not like, not like, yeah, show me and I'll decide. No, it's, you got it, I'm doing it, you show me, and, and I'll do it. The answer is yes. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be find, found by you, says the Lord. I wasn't always a Christian. In fact, I made it through a lot of my life without being one. And one day, I realized that if Christianity was true, I wasn't living it. I knew, I, I thought I knew God existed, and I, and I thought I knew that Jesus Christ did what he did for my sins. Um, and then this guy, I just had a parachute malfunction, and I had this guy on my front. Um, he really drove me crazy. He's one of those guys, like, I can't wait to land and get him unhooked. Um, but we had this parachute malfunction, and he was really excited we had a malfunction, which just that annoys me. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner, guys. And, uh, <laughs> and he... And, and he witnessed to me. And, I, and I, what I said to him was, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know all this stuff. I know, I mean, look at this world. How could God not have created it? It's lip service, you know? And then I got to thinking, well, do I act like it? And so, so what, I, what I ended up doing was I said, hey, God, if you do exist, no, not if you do exist, God, I want you. I didn't know what I was saying, but I, I want you. I want you to show me what you are, who you are. What do I do? And I was ready to do what he said. Example, Kelsey and I, we, we were together. We weren't married. We were living together. We weren't Christians. Of course, we were doing that. And we, we looked at that, and we said, oh, no more of that. And so we started doing it differently because the answer was yes. So he, so he said, I'll show you because I came to him with a humble heart. And then he led me. I looked for him wholeheartedly, and he found me. And, and, I, and then I found him. It was just so unbelievably cool. So there, there, was my, there was my scientific investigation. I'm an applied researcher. I apply it. So I applied it to my life. I said, yes, now show me. And then I watched him do things that just totally blew me away in my life. Um, and Kelsey's wife, and, and just every, it continues. It's not like, oh, yeah, I went through that one time. Now I know it's true and I'm done. No, it continues, which is just so cool. So if God created the universe... A scientific investigation will reveal his wonders. And some of the evidence we've talked about, and some of the evidence that's there that maybe I didn't mention, that is there, 
for us to look into and find intelligent design, the complexity in design. I mean, how cool is it? I was, I, I, I almost showed this video, and I probably should have, of this baby being developed in the womb. And it's just, it is so cool. It's a little bit weird at first, but it's really neat. It doesn't show the birth, so don't worry. Um, and uh, have you all seen that? It is crazy. I've seen it three times. Um, Sorry, almost made it through. Um, the, and it's just so cool, the complexity and the, just the uniqueness of the thing. It's so, so neat. Um, the, the physical laws defining an orderly world. I mean, how in the world can we describe explosions? Um, how in the world can we look at high-speed aerodynamics and know exactly the angle of the shockwave? I mean, what? That's really cool. And if, we're, if we fly in through helium instead of air, it's going to make it different. How do we know to... We can figure that out, too. Um, there's no evidence of order from disorder. Second law of thermodynamics. Yet we live in an orderly world. So nothing comes disorder, it starts disorderly and magically falls into place. The, the blocks don't stack themselves. Um, I have to do it. And Jack knocks them over. Um, historical evidence for the New and Old Testament. It's there. Josh McDowell, I've seen a lot of really cool things he's, he's done. Some of the cool research, but he's not the only one. Biblical prophecy. I don't have to say anything about this one. Bill's made it by an expert. Um, but the Bible says so many things that will happen that did then happen. Um, we have original copies written that describe events that happened later on down the, war, down, the, uh, down the timeline. And the biblical knowledge of medical and cosmological truth, unseen for thousands of years. I mean, how cool is that? That just blows me away. But, so we see this evidence. But a lot of us find at least one thing that gets in the way. You and your desires, me and my desires. We lose subjectivity because we're, because we're, we're too close to what we want. And we're not willing to get ourselves out of the way and conduct a real scientific investigation. And here's why you should, because it's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I can't make you believe, but I can, I can point you in the direction and, and show you how to look. It's, it's undeniably there. It is, surrounds us. But we let ourselves. So at least ask yourself that. Why? Why don't I believe it? Does this evidence I'm basing it on, does that really make sense? And then conduct your, your investigation. Here in Psalms 19, this is really, okay, well, yeah, no, that's good. Keep that there, Miss Ty. That's a good one. That's a good time for that. So science, in this case, is the systematic study of the structure and behavior of God's creation. So, so yeah, let's, let's dive in and look at it. Here in Psalms 19, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. I know we've seen this one already, but it's just, it's too good. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. If we do a scientific investigation, we're just going to see things that point to God and see things that prove God, which is so cool. And these guys did this song. It says um, it's called "So Will I," and their basis is if the if the universe, if the heavens cry out that you exist, then so will I. And here in a minute, the band's gonna come up. Uh, you guys are all relieved, and uh, and they're gonna and they're gonna play that song. And and what they're saying is, God, if you show us your wonders, and you and the if the world praises you. If the world cries out in worship, then so will I. And they're going to lead us in that, and I can't, I'm so excited. Because um, I've looked into it. I've really dived into it, and I've really experimented with it. I'm, I'm, I'm a tester. I test things out, and I, I really love it. And, um, and 
this is what I've come up with. It's for me and my house. We, we're going to serve the Lord. And if the world cries out in worship, then, then so will I. Let's pray. Oh, God, thank you so much. You don't just leave us. You're, you're here with us. You've given us so much to know and to see you. There, there is no question. And thank you for the grace as we look into this. And, and thank you that you just leave an unbelievable trail. But thank you most of all that you have made a way for us to get to you. Thank you so much that, that we have you. And we can step into your life and make you the, the most important things in our life and then see you and, and just have you. Thank you so, so much for that, God. We owe you, you're awesome. Amen.